1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
0: hello and welcome to the times business podcast where we're taking a look ahead to one of the big annual events that will certainly be making news headlines in the coming days i'm robert miller That means finding out what's likely to be topping the agenda at the 48th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos. It's been billed as creating a shared future in a fractured world. And we'll find out what this has to do with trade and finance. And no, it's not about Elon Musk's latest space adventure. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, the Times economics editor, and Catherine Griffiths, our banking editor. They're going to be packing their snow gear and heading up the Swiss mountains along with Richard Fletcher, the business editor, to keep us up to date with what's happening there. Thank you for being here. And uh, Philip, before we start, let's hear a clip from Clash Schwab. He's the uh, forum founder and still the executive chairman. And he's talking about some of the issues that are going to be under discussion. A second... The big issue in Davos will certainly be the future of global cooperation, related to trade, environment, fight against terrorism, tax systems, competitiveness, and in this context it's absolutely essential to have President Trump with us. Another issue certainly discussed in Davos is the future of economic growth. possibly at the end of an economic upswing cycle and the future of economic development, particularly also related to the policies of central banks next year, will be a big discussion issue. Philip, as we said, let's start with you. Is the end of the global growth economic cycle? Is it, is it happening, do you think? Has he got it right?
1: Well, if it feels, well, I think everybody thinks that the coming year is going to be pretty strong. Strong, Um, uh, so uh, there's the World Bank is is concerned that there's going to be a protracted sort of slowing after this kind of heady period of growth across the world at the end of 2017 into the beginning of this year. But as you could hear there, it's it's always a very high-minded agenda at uh, at Davos. You've got all of the, you've got um, I think about two thirds of the uh, delegates or the uh, people who attend are from business. Uh, So the rest are from civil society, they're from trade unions, they're from academia. Obviously, then there's lots of government ministers, including President Trump. And this year, we've also got Theresa May, Philip Hammond, and Philip Hammond's shadow, John McDonnell, attending. And so you've got uh, government uh, figures and, and other policymakers, central bankers, obviously. So everybody is supposed to just huddle down and resolve the world's manifold problems. Do they? Do you think
0: you've been enough times now to notice whether it makes a difference or not?
1: It's the kind of thing which is the issues are so big that you can't really notice a, in the difference being made. Um, but you suspect, and I, uh, to be fair to the World Economic Forum, uh, they do kind of set the agenda a little bit for the year. It, it is an echo chamber and and it is the kind of elite talking amongst each other, but it, it does that does help harmonize some of their thinking and obviously there has been a quite a liberal agenda so issues such as the environment and inequality ironically for uh, a little enclave full of the richest people in the world is always uh, at the top of the agenda and right now that's that's obviously uh, quite uh, in the headlights given you know Trump's elevation because of uh, the lack of inclusive growth in the world, which is again on on the agenda this year. So, I, it, does does it d- do they have a dramatic impact? They they don't. I think it's a it is it's a, it's a slow burn. I think I, I think it's unfair to say that they don't uh, don't achieve anything.
0: Catherine, a lot of these people, as Philip said, I mean, it is packed with the 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 biggest banking or the biggest banks in the world and their executives. So. For them to have access to what is a stellar list of of, of ministers and, and government leaders, is that important for them? And do they get close enough to be able to to talk about it and and make progress, make it worthwhile? Because they're presumably paying a fortune to go.
2: Yep, I think they very much see it as worth it. Um, some of them go year after year, and you know they certainly wouldn't do if it wasn't worth their while. Um, I think that just simple fact of there being a small group of people from around the world, actually there, physically there together for a few days or maybe a shorter amount of time than that, it means they can have lots of meetings, lots of off-the-record conversations. It can be, um, I think it can be pretty effective for them and a lot of things do happen behind closed doors.
0: And we never hear about them, or do you? I mean, after yeah, all you're up I there, mean- I mean, but the, the actual what, you mean the real nitty-gritty, There, there are deals done, but we just don't hear about them.
2: Well, I think for journalists, our endless paranoia with Davos is that these things happen behind closed doors and we never hear about them. But I think the reality is, certainly with sort of knotty issues, they welcome the chance to kind of have an informal chat in some way that they, they don't particularly want, you know, recorded anyway. So that, I think that has happened over the years and will continue to happen.
1: The I mean, there was a sense last year that, um, I mean, obviously last year we just had, Brexit six months earlier, and Donald Trump had just been elected president of the United States. And this were the, these were the two outcomes that the Davos elite must have feared uh, uh, above all others. And uh, there was a sense at that point that you know the, the world might be tipping into a sort of retreat from globalization. And but, but the mood on the slopes in Davos was remarkably resilient. And there was this sense that the uncertainty had passed in that you know, nobody knew if these things were these bad things were going to happen. The bad things had happened, and then all the all the you know, business figures and the and the uh, government uh, policymakers that you know this was the new situation. You just get on with stuff, and there was this a uh, general spirit of right now we'll just get on with what we've got to do. It's a new environment. It's a bit more risky. The whole world is a bit more unknowable, but we just got to plow plow ahead regardless. And what we really had in 2017 was a massive uplift in the global economy, and that kind of being so sanguine about the risks started in Davos and, you know, really persisted throughout the whole year. So, I mean, I would say that was one example of that kind of groupthink approach, which probably didn't do the world a disservice last year.
0: Well, as we sit here, I mean, Catherine, in particular, we've just heard from the big U.S. banks. And apart from taking a one-off tax hit, they're sitting there looking at being able to distribute far more to their shareholders. A lot of companies are going to be giving bonuses to their workers. Apple is a repatriate or paying $34 billion in tax, which is going to boost the economy. Twelve months ago, we couldn't have imagined that, could we, with markets reaching record highs almost daily?
2: Uh, Yes, that's probably true and certainly the American banks are in a very good position these days in one very major part being the the Trump tax repatriation change, um, which certainly, there's quite a lot of people here in London who would like to see some changes to our own corporation tax policies to make the UK more competitive in the light wake, whatever you, however you want to see it, of Brexit. Certainly, um, Jess Daly, who runs Barclays and is American, maybe not completely as well-versed on um, meetings at Downing Street as some people and actually dared to say something, which was that the UK could do with having a bit more of a competitive tax regime. So that might be an interesting thing as it comes up at Davos. I mean, certainly the financial services sector has has pretty good access to Downing Street, but obviously there'll be another opportunity in Davos to see Theresa May, see some of her people, and they'll be keen to do that. I
0: mean, overall, Phil, it's... it's, it's the British economy, you mentioned Brexit there, and I suppose we have to mention it again, but is the British economy in better shape than you expected it to be? And are the prospects reasonable, if not uplifting?
1: Uh, it is obviously in a better shape than you'd expect it to be. But part of that is because we've got this enormous tailwind of rapid global growth. Europe is growing strongly. It, if you look at the relative position of the UK, it's not it's not as promising as you would you would otherwise have hoped. But uh, I mean, actually, just to go back to Devils. I mean, the 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 big issues there this year will once you know once again be. Uh, you know they they call it the fourth industrial revolution and how people are going to be left without jobs because of the robotics um uh, uh and artificial intelligence then you know there are going to be issues about central banks withdrawing stimulus from the economy over the coming year um and is is that a, is that a good thing um uh, environment uh is of always on their agenda in fact this year the two biggest risks that they identified were environment and cyber security, cyber cyber threats. And in a way, this kind of shows how the general spirit is one of bullishness and optimism because uh, the reason why they're at the top could be partly down to the fact that people are not, just not that, much, not, not that worried about geopolitics as they were last year, about terrorism as they were last year or the year before, uh, or about you know big financial crises as they used to be. I mean, it may not just be that they're particularly worried about the environment, it's just that they're less worried about the, the economic backdrop. Um so, I expect this uh, Davos meeting to be full of confidence full of uh, full of upbeat sentiment
0: and you Catherine, are you similarly
1: bullish?
2: um yes, I, I defer to Phil. he's been many more times than I have um I mean certainly one observation. My, only, my own small experience is that it used to be dominated by banks and bankers and now one looks at the the program and as Phil says it's there's lots of things about health and the environment and robotics um, a sort of a, a much wider program which um, I should imagine everyone thinks is a good thing
1: the digital economy the the rise of the tech companies um, they, they, are, they are they have taken over as the masters of universe at Davos, which on the one hand, you know, it shows that, you know, the Googles and Facebooks of this world are the new bankers, but on the other hand, uh, would suggest that they may be about to be as hated as the bankers became. Oh, well,
0: we'll watch out for that one. Now, we're going to be looking at what else goes on in Davos, apart from those learned and lengthy meetings. Earlier, we heard a clip from Elton John's Evergreen Rocket Man." <laughs> Catherine, we mentioned there the celebrity quotient. No Davos would be complete without it. And this year, of course, uh, they're going to be giving their 24th annual Crystal Awards, uh, not least to Sir Elton John, Kate Blanchett, and Shah Rukh Khan. Uh, Elton John and many other celebrities—I can always think of a Bono and Sir Bob Geldof—but why did they go to Davos? Aren't they supposed to be? I mean, these are these are capitalists, aren't they?
2: Well, I suppose particularly Bono and Sir Bob Geldof went in the past because it was this meeting of politicians, policymakers, powerful people from around the world, and they had a they had a social agenda. And I actually remember years and years ago going I think for the first time and it was it was really quite surprising and really grabbed people's attention and got lots and lots of coverage for his causes um, it was a it was a clever idea whoever sort of suddenly thought hang on let's take this this sort of exclusive closed off meeting in the in the Swiss Alps and make it into something else and now we see that as normal um, that you get this kind of trail of celebrities it seems perhaps not so much this year as we've had in recent years but I suppose the simple fact is, it makes it. It's it's been a great move by the World Economic Forum to give itself a little bit of star power to sort of reinvent itself in the last decade or so. Keeps people interested. There's probably a sort of virtuous circle with um, while it doesn't want to make itself look ridiculous. Clearly, that if you can kind of make it a bit more popular, then actually perhaps that does make politicians more keen to come along as well. It's sort of all adds to the momentum.
1: Yes, yeah, sprinkles a bit of. Glitter all over the Swiss Alps, and the staid businessmen and women in their suits for a little bit. Um, so it draws attention to it, doesn't it? But everyone there is actually just like anyone else is a, is a star junkie. The Matt Damon, a couple of years ago, he was doing a session on water, which is one of his big charities. And the cue to get into the room with Matt Damon was, uh, you know, you'd imagine that at the Royal Albert Hall for some amazing performance. It's just, it makes no difference that these people are enormously wealthy. They they love having celebrities amongst them. It's a photo op.
0: Yes. Well, I must actually also say, because people can go to the uh, World on Economic uh, Forum website where Elton uh, John has actually written something about inclusivity and going right back over his uh, sometimes troubled past. It's interesting that. Out of all the huge global matters we've been talking about, as you say, there is still star power. People are still starstruck. I'm amazed, actually, amongst hardened businessmen.
2: I think they love it though don't they you ju- I mean just in their course of life in general they like to mix with celebrities they like to kind of go to sporting events with celebrities or go to the same parties it makes them it validates them
1: it's quite it, it, and the thing about Davos which is quite nice is that everybody's wandering around the same congress center together so um, you've got you know actually the biggest retinue I've ever seen with was, was I think for Nicolas Sarkozy and when he was uh, president in France but you know he'll be accidentally brushing past Goldiehorn or uh, maybe this year Elton John in the corridors briefly I mean it is it's one of those places where it's a bit of a leveler because you've been selected as a member of the elite so it's this kind of paradox of being on the hierarchical once you're there but incredibly hierarchical to get there
0: so I can I can uh, follow my tweets and say, see President Trump, the real President Trump, saying, I've just bumped into Philip Aldrich from The Times. What a great day. Yes. Do you think that's going to happen? No, I don't think so, is it?
2: That's Phil's goal. That's what he has to achieve. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Get him to tweet about me. Yeah. yeah. I have to tread on his shoe or something, won't I? you would be L- shot. Yes.
0: I was going to say, Philip, that's a very, very bad idea. <laughs> Keep an eye out for him, will Catherine? Okay, well, that's about it for now. But thank you both very much. And watch out for those daily Davos reports from Philip, Catherine and, of course, Richard. They'll be updating and tweeting as the events unfold. And uh, by the way, keep a lookout down here in the plains for financial updates. They'll be coming from Diageo Sky and Chris Nicholson. There's all that and the other news and analysis on your phones, tablets and in the paper. And if you'd like to become a subscriber, you can sign up at thetimes.co.uk. Do then also receive our daily morning and lunchtime Business bulletins. If you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Philip Aldrich and Catherine Griffiths. They're on Twitter, so please follow them. And Richard Fletcher. And uh, thanks for listening. Please join us again next week.
2: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.